Section 19 of the Chouans by Honoré de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter 3D. Mademoiselle de Verneuil returned to Fougere by the paths which connect the crags of Saint-Sulpice with the Nidocroc when she reached these latter heights and hastened along the winding track which had been beaten out over the rough surface of the granite she admired the lovely little nonson valley but lately so full of tumult now so absolutely peaceful seen from that point of view the glen looked like a green alley mademoiselle de vernoy returned by way of saint leonard's gate where the narrow path came to an end the townspeople were still in anxiety about the struggle which judging by the firing that they heard in the distance seemed likely to last through the day they were awaiting the return of the national guard to know the full extent of their losses when this girl appeared in her grotesque costume with her hair dishevelled a gun in her hand her dress and shawl drenched with dew soiled by contact with walls and stained with mud the curiosity of the people of fougere was all the more vividly excited since the authority beauty and eccentricity of the fair parisian already furnished the stock subject of their conversation francine had sat up all night waiting for her mistress a prey to horrible misgivings so that on her return she wished to talk but silence was enjoined upon her by a friendly gesture i am not dead child said marie ah when i left paris i longed for emotions and i have had them she added after a pause francine went out to order a meal remarking to her mistress that she must be in great need of it oh no said mademoiselle de verneuil but a bath a bath the toilet before everything else it was with no small degree of astonishment that francine heard her mistress asking for the most fashionable and elegant dresses that had been packed for her after her breakfast marie made her toilette with all the minute care and attention that a woman devotes to this most important operation when she is to appear before the eyes of her beloved in the midst of a ballroom francine could not account in any way for her mistress's mocking gaiety there was none of the joy of love in it no woman can make a mistake as to that expression there was an ill-omened and concentrated malice about her with her own hands marie arranged the curtains about the windows through which her eyes beheld a magnificent view then she drew the sofa nearer to the fire set it in a light favorable to her face and bade francine bring flowers so as to impart a festival appearance to the room when francine had brought the flowers marie superintended her arrangement of them to the best advantage after casting a final glance of satisfaction round her apartment she ordered francine to send someone to demand her prisoner of the commandant she lay back luxuriously upon the sofa partly to rest herself and partly in order to assume a graceful and languid pose 
which in certain women exerts an irresistible fascination there was an indolent softness about her the tips of her feet scarcely escaped from beneath the folds of her dress in a provoking manner the negligence of her attitude the bend of her neck everything down to the curves of her slender fingers that drooped over a cushion like the bells of a spray of jessamine was in unison with her glances and possessed an attractive influence she burned perfumes so that the air was permeated with the sweet fragrance that acts so powerfully on the nerves and frequently prepares the way for conquests which women desire to make without any advance on their part a few minutes later the heavy tread of the old commandant was heard in the antechamber well commandant where is my captive i have just ordered out a picket of a dozen men to shoot him as he was taken with arms in his hands you have disposed of my prisoner said she listen commandant if i read your countenance rightly there can be no great satisfaction for you in the death of a man after the engagement is over very well then give me back my shuan and grant him a reprieve i will take the responsibility upon myself i must inform you that this aristocrat has become indispensable to me and with his co-operation our projects will be accomplished moreover it would be as ridiculous to shoot this amateur shuan as to fire on a balloon for the prick of a pin is all that is needed to bring about its entire collapse leave butchery to the aristocrats for heaven's sake republics should show themselves to be magnanimous would not you yourself have granted an amnesty to the victims at quiberon and to many others now then send your dozen men to make the rounds and come and dine with me and my prisoner there's only an hour of daylight left and you see she added smiling that if you delay my toilette will lose all its effect but mademoiselle said the astonished commandant well what is it i understand you come the count will not escape you sooner or later the portly butterfly yonder will scorch himself beneath the fire of your platoons the commandant slightly shrugged his shoulders like a man who is compelled to submit against his own judgment to the whims of a pretty woman he returned in the space of half an hour followed by the comte de Beauvin mademoiselle de vernoy made as though her two guests had taken her by surprise and appeared to be in some confusion at being detected by the count in so careless an attitude but when she had seen from that gentleman's eyes that a first effect had been produced upon him she rose and gave her whole attention to her visitors with perfect politeness and grace there was nothing either constrained or studied in her attitude in her smile her voice or her manner nothing that betrayed a premeditated design everything about her was in agreement there was no touch of exaggeration which could give an impression that she was assuming the manners of a world with which she was not familiar 
when the royalist and the republican were both seated she looked at the count with an expression of severity the nobleman understood women sufficiently well to know that the affront that he had offered to her was like to be his own death warrant but in spite of this misgiving and without showing either melancholy or levity he behaved like a man who did not look for such a sudden catastrophe it soon appeared to him that there was something ridiculous about fearing death in the presence of a pretty woman and marie's severe looks had put some ideas into his head eh, thought he who knows whether a count's coronet still to be had will not please her better than the coronet of a marquis which has been lost montauron is as hard as a nail while i and he looked complacently at himself at any rate if i save my life that is the least that may come of it these diplomatic reflections were all to no purpose the penchant which the count intended to feign for mademoiselle de vernoy became a violent fancy which that dangerous being was pleased to encourage you are my prisoner count she said and i have the right to dispose of you your execution will only take place with my consent and i have too much curiosity to allow you to be shot at once and suppose that i maintain an obstinate silence he answered merrily with an honest woman perhaps you might but with a light one come now count that is impossible these words full of bitter irony were hissed at him from so sharp a whistle to quote sully's remark concerning the duchess of beaufort that the astonished noble could find nothing better to do than to gaze at his cruel opponent stay she went on with a satirical smile not to gainsay you i will be a good girl like one of those creatures here is your gun to begin with and she held out his weapon to him with mock amiability on the faith of a gentleman mademoiselle you are doing ah she broke in i have had enough of the faith of a gentleman on that security i set foot in the vivetiere your chief swore that i and mine should be in safety what infamy exclaimed hulot with a scowl it is the count here who is to blame she said addressing hulot and indicating the noble the gars certainly intended to keep his word but this gentleman put some slander or other in circulation which confirmed the stories which it had pleased charette's filly to imagine about me mademoiselle said the count in dire distress with the axe hanging over him i will swear that i said nothing but the truth and what did you say that you had been the speak out the mistress of the marquis of lenoncourt the present duke and a friend of mine the count made answer 
now i might let you go to your death said marie who was apparently unmoved by the count's circumstantial accusation the indifference real or feigned with which she regarded its opprobrium amazed the count but she continued laughing you can dismiss forever the ominous vision of those leaden pellets for you have no more given offence to me than to that friend of yours to whom you are pleased to assign me as fie on you listen to me count did you never visit my father the duc de verneuil very well then considering doubtless that the confidence which she was about to make was so important that hulot must be excluded from it mademoiselle de verneuil beckoned the count to her and whispered a few words in his ear a stifled exclamation of surprise broke from monsieur de bauvin he looked at marie in a bewildered fashion she was leaning quietly against the chimney-piece and the childish simplicity of her attitude suddenly brought back the whole of the memory which she had partially called up the count fell on one knee mademoiselle he cried i entreat you to grant my pardon though i may not deserve it i have nothing to forgive she said you are as irrational now in your repentance as you were in your insolent conjectures at the vivetiere but these mysteries are above your intelligence only she added gravely you must know this count that the daughter of the duc de verneuil has too much magnanimity not to feel a lively interest in your fortunes even after an insult said the count with a sort of remorse are there not some who dwell so high that they are above the reach of insult i am of their number count the dignity and pride in the girl's bearing as she uttered these words impressed her prisoner and made this affair considerably more obscure for hulot the commandant's hand travelled to his moustache as though to turn it up at the ends while he looked on uneasily mademoiselle de verneuil gave him a significant glance as if to assure him that she was not deviating from her plan now let us have some talk she went on after a pause bring us some lights francine my girl skillfully she turned the conversation on the times which in the space of so few years had come to be the ancien regime she carried the count back to those days so thoroughly by the keenness of her observations and the vivid pictures she called up she gave him so many opportunities of displaying his wit by conducting her own replies with dexterous and gracious tact that the count ended by making the discovery that never before had he been so agreeable he grew young again at the thought and endeavoured to communicate his own good opinion of himself to this attractive young person the mischievous girl amused herself by trying all her arts of coquetry upon the count doing this all the more dexterously because for her it was only a game 
sometimes she led him to believe that he was making rapid progress in her regard sometimes she appeared to be taken aback by the warmth of her own feelings and displayed in consequence a reserve that fascinated the count and which visibly helped to fan his extemporized flame she behaved exactly like an angler who lifts his rod from time to time to see if the fish is nibbling at the bait the poor count allowed himself to be caught by the innocent way in which his deliverers received two or three rather neatly turned compliments emigration the republic and the shuans were a thousand leagues away from his thoughts hulot sat bolt upright motionless and pensive as the god terminus his want of education made him totally unapt at this kind of conversation he had a strong suspicion that the two speakers must be a very witty pair but the efforts of his own intellect were confined to ascertaining that their ambiguous words contained no plotting against the republic monterand mademoiselle the count was saying is well-born and well-bred he is a pretty fellow enough but he understands nothing of gallantry he is too young to have seen versailles his education has been deficient he does not play off one shrewd turn with another he gives a stab with the knife instead he can fall violently in love but he will never attain to that fine flower of manner which distinguished lausanne adhemar coigny and so many others he has no idea of the agreeable art of saying to women those pretty nothings which are better suited to them after all than outbursts of passion which they very soon find wearisome yes although he may have made conquests he has neither grace nor ease of manner i saw that clearly marie replied ah said the count to himself there was a note in her voice and a look that shows that it will not be long before i am on the best of terms with her and faith i will believe anything she wishes me to believe in order to be hers dinner was served he offered his arm mademoiselle de vernoy did her part as hostess with a politeness and tact which could only have been acquired by an education received in the exclusive life of a court leave us she said to hulot as they left the table he is afraid of you while if i am left alone with him i shall very soon learn everything that i wish to know he has reached the point when a man tells me everything that he thinks and sees things only through my eyes and after that asked the commandant who seemed thus to reassert his claim to the prisoner oh he will go free she said free as the air but he was taken with arms in his hands no he was not said she for i had disarmed him a jesting sophistry such as women love to oppose to sound but arbitrary reasoning count she said as she came in again 
i have just obtained your freedom but nothing for nothing she went on smiling and turning her head questioningly to one side ask everything of me that you will even my name and my honor he cried in his intoxication i lay it all at your feet and he came near to seize her hand in his endeavor to impose his desires upon her as gratitude but mademoiselle de vernoy was not a girl to make a mistake of this kind so while she smiled upon this new lover so as to give him hope will you make me repent of my confidence in you she said drawing back a step or two a girl's imagination runs faster than a woman's he answered laughing a girl has more to lose than a woman true if one carries a treasure one must needs be suspicious let us leave this kind of talk she answered and speak seriously you are giving a ball at st james i have heard that you have established your magazines there and your arsenals and made it the seat of your government when is the ball to-morrow night it will not astonish you sir that a slandered woman should wish with feminine persistency to obtain a signal reparation for the insults to which she has been subjected and this in the presence of those who witnessed them so i will go to your ball what i ask of you is to grant me your protection from the moment of my arrival to the moment of my departure i do not want your word for it she said seeing that he laid his hand on his heart i hold vows in abhorrence they seem to me too like precautions simply tell me that you undertake to secure me against any infamous and criminal attempts upon my person promise to repair your own error by giving out everywhere that i am really the daughter of the duc de vernoy keeping silence at the same time about the misfortunes which i owe to the lack of a father's protecting care and then we shall be quits eh? can a couple of hours protection extended to a woman in a ballroom be too heavy a ransom come come you are not worth a penny more than that and a smile deprived her words of any bitterness what will you demand for my gun laughed the count oh more than i do for you yourself what is it secrecy believe me bovon only a woman can read another woman i am positive that if you breathe a word of this i may lose my life on the way thither one or two balls yesterday warned me of the risks which i must encounter on the journey now that lady is as expert with a rifle as she is dexterous in assisting at the toilet no waiting woman ever undressed me so quickly pray manage things so that i may have nothing of that kind to fear at the ball you will be under my protection the count replied proudly but perhaps it is for montauron's sake that you are coming to st james 
you wish to know more than i do myself she said laughing you must go now she added after a pause i myself will be your conductor until you are out of the town for you have made the war one of cannibals here but you take some interest in me cried the count ah mademoiselle allow me to hope that you will not be insensible to my friendship for i must be content with that must i not he added with the air of a coxcomb come now conjurer she said with the blithe expression that a woman can assume when she makes an admission that neither betrays her real feelings nor compromises her dignity she put on her pelisse and went with the count as far as the nidocroc when they reached the beginning of the footpath she said maintain an absolute reserve sir even with the marquis and she laid a finger on her lips the count emboldened by mademoiselle de verneuil's graciousness took her hand she suffered him to do so like one who grants a great privilege and he kissed it tenderly oh mademoiselle he cried when he saw that he was quite out of danger you can reckon upon me through life and death since i owe you a debt of gratitude almost as great as that which i owe to my own mother it will be very hard to feel nothing more than esteem for you he sprang down the pathway marie watched him as he scaled the crags of saint sulpice and nodded approvingly as she murmured to herself that fine fellow yonder has paid me for his life more than the worth of his life i could make him my creature at a very small cost a creature and a creator there lies the whole difference between one man and another she went no further with her thought she gave a despairing look at the sky above her and slowly returned to saint leonard's gate where hulot and corentin were waiting for her yet two more days she cried then she checked herself seeing that they were not alone and whispered the rest in hulot's ears and he shall drop down beneath your fire with a peculiar jocose expression not easy to describe the commandant suddenly drew back a step and looked at the girl before him there was not a shadow of remorse in her face or bearing it is wonderful how women generally speaking never reason over their most blameworthy actions they are led entirely by their feelings there is a kind of sincerity in their very dissimulation and only among women is crime dissociated from baseness for for the most part they themselves do not know how the thing has come about i am going to st james to a ball given by the chouans and but that is five leagues away from here corentin put in shall i escort you you are very much taken up said she with something that i never think about at all that is to say yourself 
the contempt for corentin which marie had displayed was eminently gratifying to hulot who made his peculiar grimace as he watched her disappear in the direction of saint leonard corentin's eyes likewise followed her but from his face it was evident that he suppressed the consciousness of a superior power which he thought to exercise over this charming woman's destiny he meant so to control her by means of her passions that one day she should be his end of section nineteen